Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I, I meant to try the new updated software on the Tesla automated driving system so I could report back. Because as I have said, uh, it ain't ready for prime time yet. Last time I tried it. But it updated the software, I think, Friday night. And it's supposed to have fixed a whole bunch of bugs, like, you know, running people over and crosswalks and stuff like that. No, that's a bug. And uh, so I'll have to try it out and get back to you. But I was looking at this headline about San Francisco does not want driverless cars to offer taxi service. Here's why. And how many uh, incidents, accidents there have been. So we'll get to that coming up a little bit later. And then the general topic about AI taking jobs and everything like that. Well, I can tell you just for self-driving, it ain't even close to ready to take over yet. So, But, mm-hmm. you know, that could change very quickly, I suppose. Right, right. So more on uh, tech developments coming up. Uh, we mentioned Roy Cooper, governor of North Carolina, during the last hour. He's on that long list of Democrats who are doing jumping jacks and stretching right now, getting ready to run for president when the old man either falls off a stage, wanders off, croaks, whatever. I'm sorry, it's kind of indelicate, but that's what we're all thinking, so... Um, and when uh, Joe Biden shuffles off uh, to history, uh, Roy Cooper, one of them, North Carolina governor, it's a purple state. He got elected. He is pulling. Well, he's probably watching Gavin Newsom and saying, man, I'm going to get smoked if I don't start making national headlines in the way that uh, Gavi boy of California is tweeting constantly about the evils of red states. He doesn't tweet about California, really. It's just what's going on in Texas or Florida. So anyway, uh, North Carolina's Governor Roy Cooper declared a, quote, state of emergency over a school choice bill attempting to stop that from passing the state legislature. 
He released a video where he declared a state of emergency, arguing that the state of public education is no less important than other emergencies. It's time to declare a state of emergency for public education in North Carolina. There's no executive order, like with a hurricane or the pandemic, but it's no less important, he stated. Much like Gavin Newsom saying, this state is not going to do business with Walgreens anymore or cbs or whatever it was right everybody's like what do you mean that's not a thing (laughs) i mean if you personally want to go get your hair dye at walmart instead i don't care it's fine but so anyway nobody's quite sure what roy cooper means but uh john turley jonathan turley wrote a really interesting article in his blog um i feel like if your name is roy cooper you gotta wear a cowboy hat or have a six shooter on your side or something he does not, Jack. Not mm-hmm. as far as I can tell. But uh, I like the uh, the headline, Cat 5 Politics. Governor Cooper declares state of emergency again, <laughs> whatever that means, over the approaching democratic system. And he mentions that 7 in 10 North Carolinians favor greater school choice. And nationally, the figures are the same, with 72% favoring greater choice, with huge majorities among both Republicans and Democrats. I didn't know that. I didn't either. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I I bring it up. Um, So the emergency is the combination of the voters and Democratic change. And for what it's worth, Turley brings up, he, he grew up in Chicagoland. And went to public schools, and there was huge white flight when he was in kids when he was a kid in school, and a bunch of white families moved to the suburbs and all. And his parents kept him in the public schools, and so he's both for philosophical and kind of emotional reasons really in favor of keeping public schools strong. Um, but he admits, for instance. Despite massive school budgets, public school systems continue to fail their students, including Baltimore. My, my my son, my my fifth grader used the term government schools the other day, and I thought, who are, who's, good boy. Well, who are you talking to? He must have some like. Rush, I call him at night. He must have some Rush Limbaugh clone friend. He's got there in fifth grade because I don't talk about these things or use those terms around him. And he just he he brings up things all the time that is like, are you listening to the Sean Hannity show or what do you do? <laughs> no, I call him at night. <laughs> Hey, Henry, I know your dad's doing a good job, but here are a couple of things I want you to remember. All stop, right? stop, start dropping the term government school when you talk about public school. These government schools are indoctrination factories. You follow me? <laughs> All right. Good night. Um, anyway, Turley writes about that. Uh, where 23 schools in Baltimore had zero students who tested proficient in math. Not a single kid. Wow. Those schools included 10 high schools, 8 elementary schools, 3 middle schools, and 2 elementary schools. Well, first of all, before Wait a I minute. get... Before, oh, those are combo elementary and middle schools, that last group. Before I get to the mockery, how awful is it for those freaking kids? Oh my God, those poor kids. They're no different than you know, any other kid. They, ugh, That's just terrible. They have the ability to do this. They're just not getting the chance. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, I know. It's it's a tragedy. And anybody oh, who suggests man. the parents ought to be able to take their kids somewhere else is you're trying to tear down pu- public education in America. You're an enemy of public schools and teachers. Yeah, I'm an enemy of ignorant kids having miserable lives. But how could you not have one kid pass and still keep your doors open what are we paying you to do right right and if it's that the families don't prize education 
They don't read to their kids. They're not helping their kids. It's it's their drugs in the home or, or whatever. Neglect. Say so. Say so. Well, I don't know what it is like there in Chicago, but my uh, my knowledge of these tests is the proficient to, to, to the pass fail on proficiency is not that stringent. So I would think that even in a home where they don't value education at all, the some of the kids would pick up enough math from being at school or reading to be able to be proficient, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what is going on in the classroom? Right. Anything? Well, well, there's a big article about that from, uh, I think, the Wall Street Journal, that the stark, steep rise in violence in the classrooms all over America. Because the the bullies and the predators have realized there's no negative consequences for their actions. They'll just be brought into one of these uh, mediation sessions, the restorative justice thing. And so it's skyrocketed. All teachers know this, by the way. Um, Their union doesn't want them to talk about it because it's all lefty politics. But one more note from Baltimore, which is astonishing. Uh, You might have seen the story. A mother went public with the fact that her high school son almost graduated in the top half of his class after failing every class but three in four years. He had a point thirteen GPA, 0.13, and he just missed the top half of his class. He flunked, say that again, he flunked every... Every class but three in four years. Oh, my God. And he was given a diploma. Four years, all those classes, he flunked all but three... And was in the top half? Almost. That is unbelievable. I mean, like like I'm having trouble believing this. Like you misread it or something. What are the taxpayers paying for? Yeah. If I go into a shoe store and I walk out, light $100 with no shoes, in what sense is that a shoe store? Well, seriously, how how do the taxpayers not get to show up at that school and say, you leave, you leave, you leave, and how about both you leave? We're going to, are our results going to be any worse? No, yeah, let no. me keep my money. Uh, Hurley goes on to write, uh, bah, bah, bah. for years, boards and school and teachers unions have treated parents as el- unwelcome interlopers in their children's education. Uh, school boards and unions resist parental objections to school policies over curriculum, social issues, etc. Um, states are on the brink of transformative change. And as public schools continue to produce abysmal scores, particularly from for minority students, board and union officials have called for lowering or suspending proficiency standards or declared meritocracy to be a form of white supremacy. Gifted and talented programs are being eliminated in the name of equity. And Roy Cooper says parents reacting against this is a state of emergency and needs to be quashed and put down. Well, there's a state of emergency. It's not the uh, from the angle he's talking about, but... Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, Cooper obviously is saying to the teachers unions, I am 100% down with getting you everything you want. I'm your guy. Well, yeah, okay, I get it, yeah. And then if they back you, your chances of winning are quite high. That's oh, yeah. a stunning story. And then, again, are you what, what kind of favor are you doing a kid by saying, here's your high school diploma, go out into the world and make your way, having flunked every class but three? In your entire yeah. four years. Yeah, that's, here's your diploma a, for an employer to say, oh, high school graduate, well done, son. I can't hardly think of something more cruel to do to a kid than to set them out in the world not ready to make their way. Oh, my God, the, how horrible is that? The soft bigotry of low expectations. That's disgusting to me. 
Well, and it's self-evidently just not. Uh, it's what even people on the left, when they see a school turned around, we've talked about this before, it's always some dynamic principal who sets high expectations for the kids. That's always it. I mean, you can't miss that pattern. And yet they do over and over again. Right. And they get, just lack of critical thinking. And they always get featured on 60 Minutes as some tough-talking principal that turned things around. Yeah. But, but we don't decide to do it everywhere. Frequently a black man or woman, they're hailed as a hero, and yet they don't get the bottom line. Can anybody speak to how amazed they are at the low expectations, for instance, in the high school your kid goes to that's listening right now? Uh, text line 415-295-KFTC. Well, and also that, that kind of a story helps explain the number of people I know whose kids are straight-A students. I mean, I got to assume that if you can almost be in the half, almost be in the top half by flunking every class but three, then I don't know what the leap up is to be straight A. So finally, uh, Hurley writes, I have no doubt that Cooper's alarm will be shared by many in the media who will send reporters to the eye of the Democratic hurricane to be shown on live national television being buffeted by the high political winds and threatened by the voting surge. However, Cooper's invocation of emergency powers leaves voters with a chilling message. They are the threat. The developing storm is the hazard of democracy, getting back to 72% of people supporting more school choice. Just as many Democrats now claim that free speech is harmful and needs to be curtailed, it appears that democracy itself is an emergency that requires immediate state action. Cooper's detecting a sharp drop in political atmospheric pressures just before an election season. For a politician, that is nothing short of an emergency. We have two important... Presidential race 2024 announcements to make when we come back. Breaking news. Do we? Do we really? Breaking news in both cases. Oh. Boy, I mean, set your, get ready for mild, (laughs) mildly interesting information. (laughs) Wow. God, I I was going to tune out and go into work, but now I won't. (laughs) Oh, yeah. If you never heard it at all, you'd be just fine. It's that kind of information. So stay tuned for that coming up, among other things. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. 
And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The January 6th investigation by the special counsel continues, but that could end up going into 2024 when some of these primaries are unfolding next year. But right before the debate, the thing to pay attention to, a charging decision and a possible indictment in Georgia where Trump is for pressuring election officials. That could come in early August, just weeks before that first debate in Milwaukee. That's Robert Costa of the Washington Post. To me, the only interesting thing going on on the Republican nomination side is the legal problems of Donald Trump and whether they could disrail him, because I don't think he's catchable otherwise uh, with his 50-point lead or whatever. But, you know, he gets thrown in jail. I suppose that could change things uh, a little bit. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know. Uh, But you got two big uh, breaking news stories. I feel like it'd be donkey abuse to use the... Brandon, the breaking news donkey. I feel like Peta would be in here for me abusing a farm animal. If we, if the, go ahead, Brandon, go on out there. Brandon, Brandon helps him keep in shape. He probably enjoys it. Um, two things. So Mike Pence is officially in. He filed the paperwork oh, and he's running for. Wow! Yes, I told there you. We go. I now told you. On. I told you to set your mouth for mild, and that if you didn't hear either one of these things, your life would not be altered in any way. <laughs> so Mike Pence is officially running, and Chris Sununu, governor of New Hampshire, who some yes. said might run, officially announced he will not. Oh he's my! Not. That's a real loss to the. Conservative, moderate, moderate, conservative wing. Yeah, that was his lane. <laughs> right. Anyway. He's actually a very bright and reasonable no, guy. I, I, I like, like him very much. I do, too. I liked him on every show I saw him on. I don't think a pro-choice Republican could ever get the nomination. I mean, I, I suppose at this point for a guy like him, it's, is this going to help me get an ambassadorship or a secretary position or a cable news show? If not, then what am I doing? Right, yeah. Because that's all you're hoping for, right? How many people, I heard somebody asking this the other day, I thought it was a great question. How many people of those running for president actually are giving 
everything they've got to try to be president of the United States. It's a small number, I think. Yeah, I would agree. It's probably three or four on each side. Yeah, maximum. A whole bunch of them are like, I guarantee you, are thinking, and and it's not just I don't want to anger Trump supporters. It's I don't want to anger the guy that might be president because I want to be secretary of education or something. Mm-hmm. So the number yeah. of people that are actually, it used to be people didn't run unless they were actually, actually swinging for the fences, could see themselves in the White House, wanted to be president of the United States. I don't know if cable news ended that because it's a good way to end up with a TV show or or what? I think it's partly that sports, I'm sorry, that uh, politics has become America's true pastime and, and favorite sport. Um that yeah, you're you you get much more attention now. I mean, you couldn't name a single got out before Iowa candidate in the 1970s or 80s. Oh heck I mean, no! And why would you? Heck no! And it but sh- now they're contestants on uh, the True American Political Idol show. Right, Pete Pete Boot Edge Edge was nobody, and then he ran for president. Now he's a national name because of running for president. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how much time I got here, Hanson? I don't know if I have time to get in this. In one minute, maybe I'll save this. Some more scary quotes from smart people about artificial intelligence, and then how far we've come in terms of driverless vehicles, which I feel like we were told by now would be driverless trucks everywhere and driverless taxis, and I'd be in my Tesla drinking a cup of coffee with my eyes closed while it drove me to work. Well, none of those things are happening. Not yet. It's the modern hovercraft. Many promises, very little delivery. As a kid, they promised me a hovercraft. Some of these quotes actually are kind of scary from some of these uh, labor AI experts, so stay tuned for that. Plus, if you haven't heard, the world's most obnoxious quote from Chuck Todd will play that for you again. Mm -hmm. What a putz. Leaving meat the press for anybody who watches those shows. Nobody watches those shows. I watch parts of them. Parts of them are really good usually, but the bulk of those Sunday talk shows are a complete waste of time. Lots of interviews yesterday about the debt ceiling, and I thought, nobody cares. Oh. Nobody cares how this turned out or who's getting credit. You talk about a question that only matters to you. Nobody freaking cares. If you miss an hour of this show, get the podcast. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I woke up this morning, and I weighed in at 238 pounds, and I decided that that is absolutely unacceptable. So I drove down to McDonald's. I'm going to eat nothing but McDonald's for the next 100 days. But instead of eating everything they give me, I'm going to go ahead and cut the meals in half. Okay, so it says here, Guy explains how he lost 60 pounds in 100 days eating McDonald's. Katie Green with the details. Or something. That's, that, that's exactly what he did. It he, he looks like he ate that three times a day, but he did. He cut the meals in half, so he wasn't eating the entire meal not getting the full calorie count. Mm. That's actually kind of interesting. We've talked a lot about portion sizes over the years. They give you just way too much freaking food. And I mean, all the time, you got two of you eating and you think, we could have each eaten half of either of our meals and been perfectly sure. fine. Not only would they give you more French fries than any human being should ever eat in a single setting, ever. Like another every part of his str- place. Another part of his strategy, he vowed to not have any snacks throughout the day, and he only drank water. So he didn't get sodas with the meal. Yeah, I, I actually find this pretty interesting. So, uh, because we blame fast food or crap we eat for a lot of this. 
He's he's not eating the giant damned portion that they give you. He's in half of it. He's not snacking, which is another thing, eating in between all the meals. And he's losing weight as a regular dude. Yeah, I need to keep that in mind. I should do that way more often. Sure. Cutting meals in half. Yeah, you can say, hey, would you bring me a to-go container right now, please? And they will. And you cut it in half, you put it in the box, you seal it up, and think, all right. Well, if you're at a fancy place, they'd be like, yeah, they'd cut it up for you and put it in the box if you wanted them to. It says his health improved in other ways, too. His levels of triglyceride went down uh, 205 points, and his cholesterol was down by 65 points after doing this. So I, I'd like to know more about it, though. He would eat only half, half of what? I mean, did he order like a quarter pounder with cheese and a small fry, or what? Or is he getting the McSalad? He it yeah. said he ordered he ordered various things off the menu, and he just picked what he liked at the time. So he didn't stick with any one thing mm. in particular. Mm. He said he's eaten Big Macs, quarter pounders, pick a number with fries. He took in he took in fewer calories than he was before. In short, right? But he have to cut the meal in half. Then I guess. Toss the rest of it? Oh, here it is. Now I got the article in front. Yeah, his dog now weighs 400 pounds. Oh, wow. (laughs) And it's a beagle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know what's a good dang dessert? Underrated dessert is the McFlurry. If they served that at a fancy restaurant, people would buy them all the time. That's a good dang dessert right there. If you haven't had a McFlurry in a while. What? It's a child's dessert. (sighs) Come on. It's not. Well, it's ice cream with... Oreo crumbles in it, but is that a child's dessert? I'll tell you, yes, clearly. A man's dessert is a scotch. <laughs> Neat. A Not sc- ice cream like <laughs> an eight-year-old. A scotch with meat. Pour me a scotch. No, neat. Oh, okay. I thought you said with meat. No. Uh, okay. <laughs> Although, if you bring me meat, I'll probably thank you. <laughs> scotch neat. That's a, that is a man's dessert right there. Okay. Um, more scary stuff from AI. I don't know. I don't know. if I, I, I absolutely think this is all going to happen. So Josh Hawley, senator, was quizzing uh, the open AI CEO Sam Altman a week or so ago. We talked some about that. He talked about how all, uh, artificial intelligence could weigh in on elections, and they started talking about clogger. Did you read this? No, I don't think so. Clogger, no. Yeah, this guy came up with a a made-up name for a a program called Clogger. A political campaign in a box is what the AI would be. Clogger would be relentlessly pursuing one objective to maximize the chances that a candidate wins and how it would utilize Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, videos, advertisement, getting stories out. You know, social interaction in a way that no, like even war room that you hire could do now, but could just do oh, it. And it could do it 24-7, obviously. 24-7, instantly, relentlessly, and how yeah. that could have an impact on campaigns. Of course, everyone will have it, so I don't know how that mishmash of everything works. Sounds nightmarish. It does. So we're all going to be waiting through that, if not this election cycle, probably the next one. Won't that be fun? You know, if you think about it, based on some of the stories we've done, you can imagine AI creating 
YouTube videos with the candidates, you know, it's it's going to look at things that have worked in the past and it's going to create YouTube videos with the candidate and a, with a dog and a pickup truck at the fair or whatever. Just endlessly, though. I mean, they'll be nonstop. Wow. Wow. No, no, thank you. <laughs> God, it's, it's really kind of mind blowing if you think about it for very long. Clogger, not nearly as entertaining as clogging. Dutch people dancing in their wooden shoes. It's charming. They wear their dresses and everything, the leader hosen. From the it's going to take everybody's jobs uh, point of view, you've got this professor at UCLA saying we're really at a crisis point. AI is coming for jobs that were supposed to be automation proof and uses the example of how in the previous automation threats that have been happening since the Industrial Revolution, the cotton gin going all the way back, um, the automation was about automating the hard, dirty, repetitive jobs that people didn't really want. This time, the automation threat is aimed squarely at the highest-earning, most creative jobs that require the most educational background. Those are the jobs that are in the sights of automation. That is a distinct change from the way it's worked in the past. Because we have agreed, we've discussed many times how the long-time axiom has been: whenever there's a change in, uh, you know, uh, technology, other jobs are created. Blah 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 blah. But it is true that you were eliminating jobs that most people didn't want to do in the past, and creating some other jobs that go along with it. If it's going after the highly educated niche job stuff, I don't know. I don't know how that works. The only thing I can picture is that it makes the management level or kind of your mid-upper brain job level so efficient that creates many more opportunities for the the blue-collar human. Is that possible? You won't. You'll never have to wait for management to authorize this or think through this or adjust to that. Our brave computer overlords will do it, and immediately another 10 stores open nationwide. I don't know. That first quote was from a UCLA professor. That last thing about it's aimed squarely at the highest earning, most creative jobs was from a uh, Wharton School of Business person. This is from Goldman Sachs, predicting that 18% of work worldwide can be automated with AI. 18% of all jobs in the world? That would be a problem, especially if it happens like practically overnight with white-collar workers such as lawyers at way more risk than those in trades such as construction or maintenance. Again, this is according to Goldman Sachs, who has some reason to want to be able to accurately predict this. Occupations for which a significant share of a worker's time is spent outdoors or performing physical labor cannot be automated by AI. But all this other stuff that you went to school for that you thought would make you automation-proof? Yep, that's exactly what AI can do. So Boy, my kid is so intent on going to law school, and I'm just worried about it. Jeez, oh, how could anybody possibly try to guess what the workforce is going to need or look like in ten years? Who freaking knows? Yeah, that's rough. That is rough. And then what was the other one I wanted to do? Is about the uh, the trucks or the cars, the taxis? Oh. Let me uh, tell you this while we're waiting for Jack. Uh, mm. Over the last three decades, 300 people have died of heart, uh, have uh, died of shark attacks. 300. 300 in, in how long time? time? Uh, three decades. In 30 years, only 300 shark attacks? Uh, fatal shark attacks. Yeah. But- 3,000 attacks, 300 fatal. Yeah. Oh, uh, in the many. same time, dogs are responsible. Oh, 
Oh, this is annually. Dogs are responsible for 30,000 deaths. Dogs. Worldwide. Worldwide, yeah. That's horrifying. God, there was one in, there, there's one in the news regularly, so that number doesn't surprise me. There's yeah. one over about a grandma sunbathing, got attacked by a family dog and killed. Oh, wow. That's uh, horrible. I hadn't heard that. I wish I hadn't awful. here. So why, why, if you have two shark attacks in a weekend, does it lead the news? But people getting mauled to death by people's out-of-control dogs happens all the freaking time and doesn't. It has to do with the uh, notability uh, paradox, or uh, is that what they call notability fallacy? If something is rare, it makes the news and convinces people it happens all the time. If something is mundane that happens all the time, it never makes the news, convincing people that it's rare. You know, clearly it's a greater risk. I know I can think off the top of my head of a half dozen people I know that have scars from dog, dog attacks. I don't know a single human being <laughs> that has a scar from a shark attack. No, no, indeed. Uh, back to AI. Part of it is driverless cars. That was one of the first times AI reared its ugly head in terms of displacing people. I was talking about all the truck drivers. There are tens of thousands of truck drivers across the country that could lose their jobs, I was told, like, two years ago well it ain't gonna happen real soon the number of reported tra- i mean i'm sure it will happen but it's not going to happen this summer the number of reported traffic incidents involving self-driving taxis in san francisco has surged according to city officials seeking to block the state from giving a green light to such vehicles around the clock Huh. uh so this was going to be the next big thing they've been testing out in san francisco now for a couple of years and they've decided well, this group has decided they want to seek laws that will stop it from happening. Overall, the number of reported incidents climbed from 23 in January to a peak of 93 in March. As they put more cars on the road, there are more and more accidents. Uh, the combined total for the two companies, blah, 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 blah. Last month, a cruise driverless vehicle drove through the police tape at an active crime scene and smashed into a bunch of people. Then here's a Jeez. way more car that entered an active construction site, stopped at the edge of an open trench with workers inside it. Luckily, didn't go in and squash them all. Oh, my Lord. I can tell you, my Tesla has the most updated software that they got for Tesla. And you got to pay close attention. You get into town and like there's crosswalks and stuff like that. It's going to do something that scares the crap out of you within minutes. I mean, wow, it's that's, really, it, it was pitched to us. Several years ago is here, I feel like. Yeah, Elon's been a little uh, liberal with his uh, promotions uh, of, of the technology. He's a, he's a P.T. Barnum at heart. Uh, I was reading about how they are trying to develop these systems and improve them. And one of the things they've, they've realized is in the simulations, they've got to deliberately have people and drivers, uh, pedestrians, whatever, do crazy, stupid stuff constantly because that's the reality of it. And it's just, it's difficult to uh, predict and simulate the full range of human stupidity. Right. We're very, very creative at being stupid as a species. Right. We're also, at the same time, though, very good at just being unbelievably powerful uh, computers in our own brains. At, you know, all the visual input you get when you're driving down a street in a car. But we have the ability to, to ignore things that we aren't know aren't going to happen. That light pole is not going to jump out in front of me. That park bench is not going to jump out in front of me. But the AI computer can't, like, see, there's a little kid. He just kicked his ball. It just went in the street. I wonder if he's going to chase it. So far, 
AI hasn't been able to figure that out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Huh, well, someday, right? Uh, well, I'm, I'm in no hurry. Computerized trucks and, and, and no traffic jams because you never have the accordion effect. You don't have uh, people uh, slowing down to gape at a wreck because there will be practically none. It'll be a brave new world, Jack. The I, o- for one, welcome it. The only way I can embrace it is if you get to actually not pay attention. If I could snooze or, like, fully work without having to pay attention. But I don't know if that'll ever happen. Drop acid? Then go run your errands. Yeah, <laughs> go to the bank. For, pick up some tube socks at your local Sam's Club or that's, whatever. That's yeah. your dream is dropping acid and going to buy tube socks. <laughs> no. No, my brain then can have, hardly... It, uh, no. Then have scotch for dessert. What kind of yes. lifestyle do you have? Yes, watch. Wash the acid down with some scotch. <laughs> we'll, we'll finish strong next. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. So, 
An interesting thing going on in politics right now is whether or not you want to go into unfriendly territory when you campaign. Like, Ron DeSantis is going with, uh, I'm going to go to friendly places and talk to them. Uh, Like, Trump gets his biggest boosts when he goes on unfriendly media, then handles them well, like he did with that woman on CNN. People love it. Just eat it up uh, when he takes them on. Uh, Rich Lowry of National Review commenting on the fact that Tim Scott went on The View today. He said, this is why you want to do hostile media. It shows your strength and confidence. And if you knock it out of the park, as Tim Scott did today, everyone will talk about it. Here's what happened. Wow. Uh, The View said the other day, if you'll remember, that Tim Scott is the exception, not the rule for African-Americans. And and, uh, he apparently got booed when he came on by the crowd, of course, because he's an evil turncoat white supremacist black guy or something because he's a Republican. Right. Uh, But he said to the hosts of The View, and we'll have the audio tomorrow. This just happened a few minutes ago. I'm on the show because of the comments. The comments. Let me read it correctly. I'm on the show because the comments made, frankly, on this show, the only way for a young African-American kid to be successful in this country is to be the exception. That is dangerous, offensive, disgusting message. Wow. Go get them. I love that. That is a dangerous, offensive, disgusting message, he says to the View crowd. Yeah. We'll have the audio and all that tomorrow. I love that. Well, and you remember the horrifying Joy Behar horrifyingly said, Tim Scott doesn't understand racism. Right. Oh. Right. Oh, wow. What an offensive. Talk about an offensive thing to say. You know, I wouldn't watch the show because it's so stupid. And I'm not for people losing their jobs for being stupid. Let the let the viewers decide. But that is one of the most offensive, idiotic things ever uttered in the English language in any forum. I mean, from fight clubs to TV shows to prisons, that's one of the worst things ever said. What do you think in general of the idea of campaigning in always friendly settings versus going into the lion's den and slaying them with your wit. Hmm. I can see the advantages of both, I guess. Um, it's funny because DeSantis has, has gone after reporters many times. He's good at it. Uh, I'd, I'd be curious to know why he's doing it the way he's doing it. Yeah, since, he's, an, since he's announced, he's stayed in friendly, super friendly territory. Alexa, play Final Thoughts by Armstrong and Getty. Okay, here's some idiotic musings by a pair of halfwits and their merry band of simpletons. Where's the lie? Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Tad dismissive. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Michelangelo is off for the day. Executive producer Hanson has been filling in ably, running the board. Hanson, a final thought? You know, so uh, many presidential candidates, so few that I'm, I'm hyped about. I want a Ross Perot-type candidate. I want the whiteboard. I want some simple explanations on television and primetime every weeknight, all right? Fast talking, got the problem. He was a great American. Got the answers right here. And a wacky accent obviously helps a great deal, too. Katie Green, our esteemed newswoman. Katie, a final thought? I'm staying away from politics, but I am going to pick up the McDonald's diet. I think that's going to be my next move. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah, I'm not sure I could eat half of everything, though. That's the problem. I would eat <laughs> I would eat half, and then I would wait a minute and eat the other half. Oh, boy, Jack, final thought for us? I guess that's my final thought. We're out of time. My final thought? Go to armstrongandgetty.com. All the hot links are there. Mentioned several times. If you want to read this yourself or send this to your friends or whatever, you can find it at armstrongandgetty.com. Look under hot links. 
That is a dangerous, offensive, disgusting message from Tim Scott to The View on their own show. That is freaking awesome. We'll have the highlights of all that tomorrow. That will give him a boost. That will make the rounds and give him a boost, no doubt about it. Don't you think? Yeah. Um, So we'll have all the news as it happens tomorrow. See if China tries to fly a plane into our plane or a boat into our boat or anything before we get to tomorrow. And then uh, we'll see you then. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. Well, let me apologize in advance for any mean, ugly, accurate things I'm about to say. You ever seen a grown man naked? I have seen thousands of naked males. Okay. Are you sure of that, dude? You assume it's kink for some weird-ass reason? I'm gonna call my lawyer. Gonna. So you could go through your whole life never seeing another man naked in person. That's the plan. Not that you know. <laughs> prefer it, yeah. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.